0: Hello, Hello.
1: I'm Robbie and I'm Zach and we are free Free to be free to be is a podcast for LGBTQ plus youth across the state of New York. We talk about all sorts of things that affect queer youth in the Empire State brought to you by Youth Power of
0: Families Together New York State. Youth Power is a network hosted by Families Together that is run for and by youth and young adults. We work to ensure young people have meaningful
1: involvement on all levels of the services that they receive. The opinions and viewpoints shared by staff and guests on this show do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Families Together in New York State. To learn more about us and our advocacy efforts, visit ftnys.org. Thanks. And enjoy.
0: I don't really know how to start this, though. I guess this is how
2: (laughs) we'll start it. This is the beginning.
0: Yeah, now, continuing the trend of me awkwardly fumbling... The beginning of the episode and then turning it into something and making it seem like I did it on purpose.
2: This is all written down.
0: Yes, uh, I completely scripted this. Yes. it's we're, we're trying to to seem genuine and authentic, even though I completely am not, apparently. <laughs> hi, hi, Amari.
2: Hi, how's it going? I'm back. Oh, yeah, that, that didn't take very long. I guess not. In in um, podcast time, it didn't take any time at all.
0: No, not at all. Hey, uh, Robbie. Hello. Hey, you're dismissed. Okay, bye. Everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I'm a... hijacking it, but I'm not expelling anybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, of course. You have a it's a it's a three three for two deal. You get all 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 of the free to be hosts, current and and past. That's that's exciting.
2: For one low price of free ninety
0: nine, <laughs> or or uh, you know or, free like it's always been. Yes. <laughs> so how, how have you how have you been, Amari?
2: I've been pretty well, as you know the listeners know, as y'all know. I I started a new position, so I'm really just trying to get acclimated with that. I'm also back in school, um, so oh, wow. trying not to. Um, lose my head, you know, and and enjoy being in school again. It's been a little while.
0: That sounds like a lot. I cannot really imagine being in school right now just with like distance learning and stuff like that's, that's gotta be a lot.
2: Well, thankfully, I go to a like a hybrid um, school that typically functions online in person and independently. Um, So they already have like the infrastructure to like support online learning. So that part was great. Um,
0: So they were already kind of like accident, accidentally almost like uh, situated to be good in this environment.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really what, what um, made me look at this specific school was um, not just the degree programs, but the fact that like they were already they've been doing this they've <laughs> and like they've had some hiccups. Yes, but they've been doing this a, a while. So it, it worked out pretty well my first semester. Um, So on to semester two. That, that's awesome.
0: Well, we're we're very, we're although we were sad to see you go, as we said in the last episode, we're happy you seem to be doing uh, so, so great in your new role. Do you want to talk about your new role a little bit in as much detail as you're comfortable with?
2: Of course. Um, so I'm still within the same realm of work. My new title is a youth peer engagement specialist. And I work f- through the Office of Mental Health for New York State under a program called Systems of Care. Um, and it's a grant that is in its second term, which um, provides a holistic approach to youth care in New York State for, for young people who have a um, higher need of care um, and we want to make sure that young people have and their families have all the tools necessary to be active participants in the plans that, that are created for them so that they go from being created for them to plans that the families and the young people are creating while fully embracing the family's natural supports Um, their informal supports, their formal supports, any other providers who may want to be at the table um, or who the family identifies as being at the table. We want to make sure that young people and their families are just given all the tools necessary to really take charge of the directions that they want their lives to go. And we found that that shows a significant increase in, you know, families and young people feeling resilient and hopeful and giving them some power back to the roles that they have as individuals and not just numbers in a system. That's kind of a little bit of what I do or like, you know, the project that I'm under. I really am working to make sure that youth voice is embedded in every project that our division is working on. Um, so it's it's fun to think about things in a different lens where people want to hear that young person's, vo- at, uh, that young person's voice, even though, you know, I'm a an older young person but i'll i'll hold on to that title for a couple more years
0: yeah i think we we, we all we all here have i am technically young for a little while longer and i am <laughs> going to milk that for all it's worth i don't know about you oh yes yeah. oh yeah but yeah that's that's some really cool work you're doing and like i said we're sorry to see you go but it sounds like you're doing really good in that new role and doing some really important work so that is great thank you But we're also uh, definitely happy to have you back here. So today we are going to talk about um, trans identity specifically. Uh, This was for uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance in November. So it's safe to say that we nailed the timing. Yes, totally Um, prepared. Just pinpoint on the dot really timely. But we we were saying this before we started. You could also make the case that we're not a few months late we're many months early for next day remembrance
2: i'm just saying i think that we're all setting you all up to be prepared for 2021
0: and we totally did that on purpose
2: yes that was scripted (laughs) also (laughs) um
0: yeah so we originally back before amari uh Transitioned <laughs> um, to, out of the new, uh, out of his uh, old role. We're planning to do an entire episode around trans identity and that kind of stuff. But um, with everything that occurred, we had to kind of put that to the wayside. But I'm very happy that we get to talk about it now, a bit, um, a bit late or exceedingly early, depending on however you want to want to look at it.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's all coming back to me now. That yeah, this was just going to be. A discussion about trans identities and it just so happened to happen during um trans uh, awareness week in November and yeah so we're just we're just really early and kind of late but like mostly really early
0: well yeah I mean uh, like just uh, we I explained it a little bit in the last episode there was just a bunch of personal circumstances that happened to both of us that kind of yeah Torpedo that idea. That being said, yeah, you were transitioning into a new job. It was Trans Day of Remembrance, and we were talking about trans identity. It would have been, mm. been exceedingly perfect, actually. But, right. You know, I mean, it was 2020. So why did I expect anything I had planned to go the way I wanted to do to do so? Uh, that was I my think, mistake, really.
2: I think that's a valid claim in itself. Like, we were planning to put out a podcast. In 2020, in general, anything could have happened. Anything, but now it's 2021, and you know, different standards, I guess. Yeah,
0: this is the we were saying this before the episode as well. This is going to be an Amari heavy episode, a because you were you were gone last time and we missed you, and B this is an experience that um, you can attest to obviously more directly than either uh, Robbie or myself. So. I'll let you start the conversation and me and Robbie can uh, chime in probably whenever we have questions about stuff. So if you just uh, take it away. The floor is yours, Mr. Wilson.
2: Well, let me hop on my soapbox here. Just kidding. It's not a soapbox. I'll just, you know, fully take over. If there is a soapbox, um, <laughs> you can feel
0: free to hop onto it. There, this is a soapbox accepting space.
2: Yay. I, I don't own any soapboxes though. I don't own them. Right. Um, <laughs> I guess like a quick content warning, because we were originally speaking about Transgender Awareness Week and Trans Day of Remembrance, which has like undertones of um, violence against trans people, not undertones, it blatantly is connected to violence against trans people. Um, So I just wanna give like a quick content warning for that. And... I think I'll proceed. So, Transgender Awareness Week, and it's typically happens, I believe, the second week of November, and it's like a one-week celebration um, or observance leading up to Transgender Day of Remembrance, which memorializes those victims of uh, trans-related violence. And within those those uh, people who are being memorialized, there is a Overcoming amount of data that that shows that marginalized people, so people or groups, uh, uh treated as, who are treated more of, as insignificant. I don't know if that's a great way to describe marginalized people, but people who are, I guess, generally not cis hetero white men. I don't know how to explain marginalized. I think that, um, I think that's a fair way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So so it, and those people who are victims and who are marginalized tend to be uh, black trans women. They tend to be the uh, one of the highest reported victims of trans-related violence, as well as Latina women, um, Latina trans women. And it is a space to really, um, I guess, take up space. That week and that day is a day to take up space and and really pay homage to, to the lives that they live. And I guess like to bring it back, I don't remember if we did this in a previous uh, episode, Zach, um, was break down what it meant to be transgender.
0: I feel like yeah, we, we did should like probably a... start. Se- well, we've definitely at the very least alluded to it. But if you want yeah. to do like a quick trans 101 for a few minutes, that would probably serve
2: everyone well. All right. Let me take off my soapbox hat and let me put on my teacher hat. <laughs> if you could disseminate
0: so... like an entire gender studies, some uh, semester long course into like
2: a few minutes, that would be great i mean i am in school so (laughs) no uh (laughs) i'll just read from oxford dictionary there we go which which says it, it i say it can mean to be transgender um this is oxford's dictionary but i feel like people's definitions can be looser than this but oxford says uh a person it denotes a person whose sense of personal identity or, and gender does not correspond with their birth sex. Um, so uh, the sex that a person was assigned at birth, you know, it's not meshing with how that person is identifying as a um, older person, uh, young person or adult. I like to say that this is what it can mean to be transgender because there's not one way to be trans. Trans can look a whole bunch of different ways. And it can sound a whole bunch of different ways. I think that's, uh, you know, a person who's assigned sex at birth may not correspond with their daily identity or daily gender expectations on one day, whereas on another day, it can fully encompass how they feel. And I think that's, where we have to be inclusive of non-binary and gender non-conforming people i say that Yeah,
0: we covered a lot that's I, now that i'm recalling this feels like a so long ago but we covered a lot of this in um the non-binary themed episode i want to say it was like the second episode that we did um I thought if so, anything yeah. here is confusing we went through a lot of like kind of gender lgbt 101 vocabulary stuff in that episode oh, yeah. and we'll probably re-explain a lot of it here but if some of this isn't making complete sense we did you might want to revisit that episode because we did break down a lot of this similar stuff as well and non-binary right. is kind of well, and, and just, to, just to clarify, I don't know even if I'm opening like a can, can of worms here, like not a lot of people identify non-binary as like a flavor of being trans. Would you say that's an accurate statement?
2: For some people, yes. So for some people, they, are, they can identify as a non-binary person of a trans experience. And, and I think that it's hard because all of these are so individualized. I know there are people who are of a trans experience or who are transgender and they this is off topic from what you asked. I, I want to identify that.
0: Well, we're not but, known for ever going off topic, so that would not be on brand <laughs> no. for us at all.
2: <laughs> but um, I was thinking of how there are some people within the trans community who think about their the names that they were assigned at birth, and some people refer to those as their dead names, or um, you know they don't want to be referred to as who they once were before they transition, um, which is completely valid and should be respected. And there are also people within the trans community who still identify with um, the name that they were given at birth or still allow people to call them that name in different scenarios and places or don't have a feeling of a severed connection to the person that they were before they came out as trans and before they started to transition, whatever that looked like. Um, Also, Astrid, because we don't go on um, topic, to start to transition is an individualized process in itself. Basically, everything is individualized. Transgender, what it means to be transgender doesn't mean starting hormones. It it doesn't have to mean starting hormones um, or dressing in uh, different clothing than you currently dress. I believe that the being trans is a personal experience and really only one person can identify what that looks like. And that's you, if that is you. Well, and
0: this also goes back to, we mentioned this in the non-binary episode too, but if any of this gets at all confusing, the uh, gender bred person, if you Google that term is a wonderful illustration, which demonstrates this stuff very, very well like what you were just talking about there's a difference between gender expression yes. which is like how you externally express which includes like your clothes and stuff and how your physical appearance there's gender identity which is what you are in your head then there's sex which is other medical characteristics and like all of that can be like completely different from each other and the gender bred person is a very good way of illustrating that if you're ever um confused about it or explaining it to someone
2: else. Yes. I love the gingerbread. The gender bread. Gender. No, it's a tongue. Gender. No, now it's Gen- gender. No, now I'm versus. afraid of it. It's it's the tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Strike that from the record, we've never mentioned it.
2: Um, but yeah, that's you know, taking off my teacher hat, that's my little 101. I guess back to getting back to November because that's totally the month that we're in. Mm-hmm. There are different ways that people can get involved with Trans uh, Day of Remembrance. There are different ways that they can get involved with uh, Transgender Awareness Week. There's typically a vigil in honor of all those people who are transgender whose lives were lost to trans discrimination and violence of that year. On this year, 2021, because we're in the right year happens on November 20th. Um, And that is typically held by local trans activists, advocates, or LGBTQ organizations. And it's held in uh, community centers, parks, uh, places of worship, or other venues. The vigil often involves reading a list of names of those lost that year. And in 2020, there were at least 44 people who were memorialized in that way. That's that's a hard number to think about, 44. Um, That's a lot of people. And their age range was everything between 17 and 55 years old. Um, And a lot of these people may not be, um, actually, I don't wanna generalize. Some of these people may not be recognized for who they are as a transgender person when being memorialized. So I think it's very important as a trans person who has thought about what will happen um, if I pass, that that they are recognized for who they were and and memorialized in a very safe and, and loving space. If this isn't available in your local area, it's great to find ways to organize this safely in your community. Granted, this year COVID is still a thing. (laughs) This option to attend a organized vigil isn't available in your local community. It's always great to find ways to safely organize one um, for your local community. Finding different ways to recognize those individuals throughout the year is important to keeping other people safe. Um, This year, hmm, no, last year, now I'm getting confused, I was able to attend Trans Day of Remembrance through a local organization called In Our Own Voices here in Albany, where they had people drive up to a, a location, stay in their cars. If you crack your window on the opposite side, you can hear from the speakers of somebody who was reading off the names and, and saying very kind things about, you know, our community, about the transgender community. I really want to highlight this because they also sent me with a sterile, um, like a very sterilized, but a, a gift bag, and it was given to specific individuals within the trans community. I want to bring it up because, you know, the one thing that was in that gift bag was a rose. You know, I'm somebody who's dealt with with loss and grief before, and, you know, it's often said said to make sure you give people their roses before they're gone. So I thought it was very um, touching. I thought it was very touching to have my roses given to me and know that there were other people in this local community who got their roses for the amazing work that they're doing, whether it is personally, whether it's professionally, we all deserve it. Uh, So it was nice to have that recognition while recognizing others who may not have gotten their roses so yeah and that way we were still all safe you know nobody was in close proximity to folks and i felt good on my drive home this Um, year
0: might be a little different in that i mean it's hard to tell just i mean the vaccinations are beginning to roll out and mm -hmm. numbers are starting to go down a little bit i mean we might be able to honor them in a little bit more of a traditional way by time next november rolls around if all all goes well and fingers crossed and all that stuff
2: right i'm hoping you know i'm really hoping that i forgot what country it was but they came off of their quarantine like well not quarantine not the whole country was on quarantine but the country's um covid restrictions were lifted i will be so happy at the day when you know not just New York, but like, you know, the United States can lift their restrictions around COVID because, you know, we we won't be at risk at, as at risk as we are now, because honestly, I want to travel, you know, I'm, <laughs> to, I'm tired of being in my house some days and it's too cold to go for a walk.
0: Well, if I had to guess, like I, I we, we said this, like on our first episode, I was really excited about doing my first ever New York City Pride. And then I, <laughs> that didn't, that was the. That was the March. Then March happened of last yes. year, um, and I kind of doubt yeah. it's going to happen this year. I'm betting mm-hmm. if I if I were a betting man, I would put my cards on like Pride 2022 being when it mm-hmm. kind of mostly looks like it's back to normal. Mostly, probably, hopefully.
2: It's it's so hard because then by then like like I already have my own things around anxiety and stuff and seeing people. And i am gotten so used to not seeing people physically on an everyday basis. Like, how would I react to being in a crowd? I, don't I mean, know like yet. it's
0: watching like videos or like, um, just like movies from like the before times I call it now is like, <laughs> is like, I'm like, why is everyone not so close together? All of you are irresponsible. I'm like, Oh wait, this was me in 2003.
2: <laughs> right. I like my, my friend, um, Yeah, completely off topic, but y'all know how this goes. Like my friend had a baby like right before COVID and everything, so she has like a almost, well, the first year of, of the child's life, they didn't do too much socializing because generally most people are yucky. Then COVID happened and like, yeah, everybody's yucky.
0: Uh, You mentioned something a little bit before, just to get a little bit back on topic. I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you about your thoughts on like the the concept. Well, the concept of like passing as a trans person. I know we've kind of grazed over it a little bit in previous episodes, and it's a definitely a can of worms. But I just kind of wanted to maybe like get your get your thoughts on that, like as a concept, uh, like as someone who identifies as trans.
2: Um, I'm all for opening up some cancel worms. Uh,
0: We're we're just going for it. We're opening them up.
2: Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, there is this concept of trans being trans people being passable or clockable. And it's this concept of, you know, trans people not visually it's not given trans. Like, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's like where people, you you what you see, your eyes, take what you're seeing as a cisgendered man or a woman when you see a transgender person. And that concept is sometimes called like uh, passable um, or that person is passing. And adversely, you know, if you see somebody and you're able to say in the back of your mind, It's a concept where you're able to say in the back of your mind, this person is or may be trans. It means that that person may be clockable. Both terms are somewhat harmful to the community. Inadvertently, with both sides of that coin, there are preconceived notions of what trans looks like, whether it's, you know, a trans man should have a beard, but shouldn't have on makeup and lipstick. But that's still very much a trans man if that's a trans man, if they're identifying as a trans man. So yeah, it's, I don't wanna say, I think it'd be a lie to say it's outdated language, but I think within the community and starting to be outside of the community, we're recognizing how harmful it can be to, you know, impose gendered binaries to people who whose binaries are um, their own to identify, like to solidify.
0: Cause And also the reason I ask is, too, like this whole problem of le- like and yeah, you say like the term passing is a little bit outdated. Let's say like someone's gender expression is not meeting someone's like societal expectations, I guess, is like kind of a good way to pin it. Would you say there's because I kind of feel like that can fuel the problem with like 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 trans violence, especially, too, because of these harmful society i don't, i mean i don't think i'm articulating what i want to say very well but like these harmful societal ideas about how you should express yourself if you are or identify as a certain way
2: i feel like kind of contributes to this problem is that off base um i think it's i don't think it's off base because i think it's generally what people think about first when they think about related violence it's you know well, what did that person who harmed these people, what could they have been thinking? What could they have been seeing to make them do such a thing? So I I don't think it's off base in that sense. Uh, What I do think that trans-related violence comes down to is with having a large population being trans women is misogyny and transphobia. There's some miseducation within there. I think it does go back to education, like a, mis- a, a level of miseducation about queer communities, about, about a lot. I think I can speak for the experiences of queer and trans education within the Black community, since that's my own experience. More specifically, Black men see uh, queerness, femininity, people that they are expecting societally to be masculine individuals is a threat to their own masculinity. Yeah, I can speak to the experiences of queerness and and uh, transness within the Black community, since that is my own, uh, of my own experiences, where I've found a, a large majority of mostly Black men who see a threat to their own masculinity with seeing femininity and anyone else they assume is masculine. I see the same... And I don't want to say in a lesser amount, but in a less harmful, a less volatily or physically harmful amount, I guess that same type of energy with black women who uh, assume that a trans woman is trying to take over their spot in women in 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 femininity and womanhood. Where in actuality, each in each scenario, black, black cis men and black cis women, there's no threat to either one of your identities of a masculine uh, masculinity or femininity. Just as a Um, quick
0: review, anyone listening, um, in case you forgot, uh, cis or cisgender refers to someone who um, their gender identity matches with what it was assigned to them at birth so like for example Robbie and
2: I identify as like cisgender
0: just just a quick refresher cuz i feel like that word's going to come up a lot in this conversation so
2: i think that part is hard because there is this fear um that kind of is instilled with that misinformation of masculinity and femininity for Uh, within my community, I think that manifests itself into, I don't want to say self-hate, a a fear of uh, oneself expressing love or intimacy or closeness to trans people. That if other people find out, they might be harmed. Um, So in turn, they may harm the person that they are caring for. That really just sucks. It sucks on so many levels because the work that I've done within my own transition Uh, was to learn about transgender people, like Native transgender people across the world and the way that looked in different societies and communities and tribes. Um, And to know that there have been communities that were trans in some type of language um, or non-binary in some type of language um, for so many years and for so many cent- through so so many centuries, and at this moment they are being killed at disproportionate rates to their cis siblings. Um, it's just really sad to see. And I don't know if that's the, that misinformation is the same case for other communities. It's what makes sense to me. I'm, I'm not a like crime or victim expert. There's a lot of data out there. There's actually a website that tracks it year to year, the demographics of who's been been victims of these types of crimes. Um, and I believe they do also track uh, who are the perpetrators of, of these types of crimes
0: yeah the 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 way you said it is really important um it's it's about proportionality because like on the surface like 44 for example that is the number of trans people as you indicated who were victims of these crimes in like in 2020 that on the surface almost sounds like a low number but when you take into account the proportionality the rate between how how many trans people are out there and how often this occurs the number is depressingly higher than, than um, other demographics.
2: Yeah, and that number is just the number that we know about. There are so many trans people who, you know, dependent on how their family identifies, may not identify them as a transgender person, you know, in in, in their own memorialization. There are also a lot of cases that just, you know, they aren't put into this category. And that can be due to officer negligence for whoever shows up on the scene and um, inappropriately identifies a trans person or, or whatever, you know, whatever it can be, uh, it can be due to a lot of things. Uh, I just know that especially during the month of November, when a lot of places like my job or, or other organizations were setting up for Trans Day of Remembrance, the number changed week to week, week to week. There were like multiple people who would who would be then added to that list. And and yeah, it's the big word it's just sad. It's it's sad and it should be changed. Um I've really taken a uh, custom to speaking when I hear like incorrect language being used to refer to trans people just to incorporate for some understanding of of what transness really does look like whether it's right now the big conversation is is trans people in sports when i know i'm not running in no sport so i just generally don't care about running in no sport but if sis can run let her run and it makes sense that she the same way that she would use a woman's bathroom because she identifies as a woman that she should run with women it you know one plus one is equal in two and for some people like their algebra is different. And maybe we just gotta make sure that we all are lo- looking at the same formula. Um, until then we can just, you know, tell people that there are more A's and P's and C's and X's, but maybe y'all not into algebra yet, so.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the, like education I feel like is one of the biggest and most effective ways to combat like homophobia, transphobia, general aversion to queer people. Ch- changing minds one at a time eventually it kind of like leads to a domino effect where societally we're more accepting of queer people and thus they get hurt less often because people are more educated. I mean, I don't think we're ever unfortunately going to get that number to zero, but we can definitely improve it. And I feel like that is one of the, one of the best ways to do so.
2: Yeah. There, I mean, there are some, this was a trans focus episode, so there are some major things that have happened, even just within this year, um, within the trans community. Um, I believe that a trans woman was elected into the healthcare. In oh, it was a cabinet level.
0: position, right? Let me. Yes. I want. I want to double check this because this is actually kind of a big deal.
2: Furious uh, typing.
0: I got a new keyboard and it's very loud, so you're all just going to have to have to deal with hearing it.
2: So I really enjoyed my past, very loud uh, keyboard. And then I just got a new one and it's surprisingly quiet. I want to return it.
0: Oh, um, so tra- uh, transgender Dr. Rachel Levine. Uh, yes. She is the assistant health secretary and uh, the
2: first uh, trans woman to occupy that spot, I believe. So yeah, that
0: is very, very cool.
2: Yes, I, th- I think that's, that's really great. And um, as more uh, over, I want to say, for myself, where I've actually paid attention to politics, it's been race that, like within the past eight years, I'll say, seeing more and more people being elected into higher offices, whether locally or, or nationally, being openly gay or transgender, I think I think it's just big, and it's going to continue to get bigger, especially with a great generation of young people who are continuing to um, push the envelope and, and raise the the glass ceiling.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, we have long way a long way to go still, and it feels like that's always going to be the case. Sometimes, yeah. but then some. We, we've talked about a lot of negative stuff today, but there's a there's a lot of reasons to look hopeful as well. Oh yeah. Uh, Robbie, you've been uh, very quiet. I just wanted to make sure if you had any like uh, anything to add in. You
1: you had an opportunity to do so. No, I'm great. I, I'm loving listening to I'mari. So. Thank you so much for listening. We would like to quickly tell you a few things about what Families Together in New York State is doing that you might be able to take part in. Hey, don't skip
0: this ad break quite yet. If you're strapped for time, sign
1: up for our email newsletter instead. You can read up on all the same news and info for all things Families Together, plus so much more. Sign up today at ftnys.org contact. During the COVID-19
0: pandemic, advocacy has become more important than ever. Visit our website at ftnys.org to view our digital advocacy center to learn more about how you can get involved with foster care, Children's Behavioral Health,
1: Education Justice, and Justice System-involved Youth Advocacy. These are all issues that disproportionately affect LGBTQ youth in New York. Our Digital Advocacy Center gives you all the tools you'll need to fight for change on these issues while still practicing social distancing and being safe during this unprecedented time. As part of our Amplify New York initiative, we will be holding virtual youth
0: leadership forums all throughout 2021. These forums are for young people to speak up, build skills, and prepare to take on leadership roles. These peer-run forums bring opportunities to youth and give the next generation of leaders the tools and
1: support they need for success. The virtual youth leadership forums are ongoing and are hosted at least every few months. We also have smaller standalone events related to Amplify New York. That range from live episodes of this show to games of Dungeons & Dragons. Stay tuned and visit our website at ftnys.org slash youthpower. Or send an email to Zach at zkilmer, that's Z-K-I-L-M-E-R, at ftnys.org to learn how to sign up. We are accepting applications for the
0: Youth Power Advisory Council you can create systems change and bring youth voice to
1: the highest levels of government. As part of the Youth Power Advisory Council, you will oversee the work that our network does to amplify youth voice while gaining beneficial skills and experience. Apply today at bit.ly capitalypacy capital Y-P-A-C-Y-3. Do you want to become a youth
0: peer advocate? Youth peer advocates, or YPAs, are individuals between 18 to 30 years of age who self-identify as a person with first-hand experience with a social, emotional, medical, developmental, substance use,
1: and or behavioral challenges. Youth Power Families Together administers the Youth Peer Advocate credential in New York State. The credential formally recognizes your experience as a young person and the importance of peer-to-peer support for young people. If you are interested, check out our website at youthpower.com ftnys.org/ypa-credential to start your journey as a YPA. Lastly, be sure to follow us on all of our social media.
0: We're on Facebook at facebookcom N-Y-S and on facebook.com/youthpowerNY.
1: We're also on Twitter and Instagram at ftnys and at youthpower. If you want to send either Zach or myself an email about the podcast, you can shoot us a message at zkilmer at ftnys.org or r-l-e-t-t-i-e-r-i at ftnys.org. If you want to learn more about Youth Power Families Together, you can also shoot us a message at ypinfo at ftnys.org. What do you say, Robbie? Back to the show. Sure, let's do it
0: So'm I'm, I'm looking through our, our outline that we we wrote out. Uh, th- this is not included on there, but I just wanted a, an- another kind <clears> of <throat> I, I don't think this is as much of a, a canon of worms, but I wanted to ask you your like thoughts on I wanted to kind of discuss like how some trans people decide to, medically transition and some don't and like both decisions that's like you were saying earlier like it's an individualized thing and it's like definitely a case-by-case basis and a, a, a case-by-case basis i turn well hello there apparently i'm paula dean now um i'm just gonna adapt this accent for the so so, so t- tell me about medically transitioning i'm
2: all <laughs> well thank you paula um <laughs> Yeah, I can talk to it. Um, What I'll speak to is like from the experience of a trans man, I am not, I don't think I'm qualified to speak about the process of transitioning um, as a woman. So for, I think for trans people, I can't say overall, it's your own decision um, whether or not to medically transition. For some people, it can be just, you know, knowing within themselves, like I am within this community and That is the alignment that they need to feel affirmed, validated, and X, Y, and Z. For some people, the hormones are a, um, there's a process called HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy that some trans people elect to go through, which includes a lot of clinical check-ins beforehand and, you know, a lot of checking into your physical health beforehand to see what that process will look like for you. When I say what that process will look like for you, your doctor cannot, they can't predict how much facial hair you're gonna grow. They can't predict if you're gonna go bald or not. These are all just, you have to look at your own genetics and and think critically about what, what the process of hormone replacement therapy would look like for you. I'll speak to my own transition, I think that I am a like a pretty I think that I'm a pretty flamboyant guy but my friends tell me I'm not so much a pretty flamboyant guy but sometimes I am so like I I like already had in my head that there would still be a, a lot of feminine parts about me even if I decided to medically transition though that wasn't my my focus for transitioning when I did come to the thought around it Honestly, I, I was thinking about my own little facial hairs and stuff. I thought that might be cute,
0: but it's. Yeah, I, mean, it, I feel like that's a perfectly valid, valid. As someone who has sported a beard since high school, they they, they do come in handy. So,
2: I mean. you know, me and my brothers are, are uh, slow groomers. So we're like, I'm the youngest and we're all still fighting to see whose beard is going to like fully connect and grow in first. Um, and they're like six and 12 years older than me. It like that was one aspect that was uh, appealing to me. The process of starting hormones encompasses a lot of things, um, whether it comes to uh, future parent planning or it comes to, like I said, other genetic factors that, that are present in other males within your family. There's a lot to think about when, when going on hormones. For some people, it, it, like hormones, can affect other uh, diagnoses that that they may have, whether it be diabetes or, um, especially anything that's blood related. There's going to just be some extra care when you go in to see your um, specialty doctors when taking hormone replacement therapy, when on hormone replacement therapy. There are a lot of reasons why somebody may think to go on a hormone, and there are just as many reasons to for somebody to be deterred from going on hormones. An important thing is it's a hormone. So there is a personable aspect about some people that may change, and that for, for some people can be a deterrent, for some people that can be an enticing factor. So there there are just so many reasons why somebody may decide to start hormones or may decide they don't want to do that. I think it's important that within the trans community, no matter how somebody transitions, whether it's having their surgeries, whether it's not having surgeries, whether it's starting hormones or not starting hormones, that I guess this message is to my trans folks is that we are exemplifying what inclusivity looks like for people who are outside of our community. Um, So that, you know, if we are holding space for and accepting trans people who are queer or who don't fit the mold that you thought that your transness looked like, we we are expanding what transness can look like. And that's a great thing. That means so many more people can feel affirmed in who they are in the same way that we are starting to feel affirmed in who we are in public spaces. Um, and that is due to the trans advocates that came before us who really paved the way uh for us to really be seen. And if they they did it for us, we got to do it for the next generation. So that's my little message to my own community.
0: Was that. And that was very nice, and thank you for for answering that question. Um, just because I know, like, when because I've had like older people who are they are queer affirming, but like not they don't like have all of the knowledge that I do necessarily. So I've been having like attempted to explain trans issues to to some people, like. Mm-hmm because like some of them had the misconception that had to correct like they had to get like quote unquote the surgery in order to actually be a trans person and it's I was trying to explain like no no you don't like you some people elect to go through some of the medical procedures hormone therapy surgery what have you not but that does not that's not the same case for all trans people and that's some of them just had difficult time getting their head around that concept which i mean they did eventually but you know (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's. I I know that when I first learned about the community, I thought there was only one way to transition for men. And I thought it was, you know, you go on hormones, you go on hormones for a year, year and a half, and then you have the possibility of um, getting surgeries. And that wasn't a process that I was interested in. I knew some people like within the area who had transitioned, but their transition didn't look like me it it didn't look like the process that i wanted to go through and so then i was like you know questioning am i really trans am i like i don't know i don't i don't know what this looks like because i haven't seen anything that looks similar to what i what i am feeling within myself there's no there's no rule book for it um and it wasn't until i saw on tumblr like somebody who elected to have their surgeries and not go on hormones and I, it just opened my eyes that there is no one way to do this. Like, you um, can do that? Was like, yeah, no, but that's seriously how I was. I was like, obsessed. <laughs> is that with allowed? Tumblr. I was like, what is happening here? I wanna read all the questions that you answered. I wanna know everything about you because I'd never seen anybody, um, especially a person of color who had transitioned in a way that felt affirming to the ways that I wanted to transition. And then it made me, it opened up my mind enough to think about, well, if this was a puzzle piece and I'm making the pieces, how do I want to put them together? What, what, what ingredients do I actually want within it? And like to actually start calling uh, my insurance to see what's, what's available, what, what's nearby, what can, what do I have access to? Um, and that's the affirmation that I needed to figure what i looks like. And I don't think without seeing that page, I, I would be uh, kind of in the position that I am now professionally or personally, because I think that really jumpstarted me to knowing who I am. Um, so I think there there was once this misconception that you had to go all nine yards in order to be considered a transgender person now more so trans is how what you make it and it's how a person identifies i think it's similar to somebody identifying as queer it doesn't encompass just one um route to to something it can be encompassing of different things at different times for different people it's individualized
0: yeah very very well stated and yeah i think a great way to sum that up is like like yeah the conception i think especially sometimes with like older generations is that trans people it's just binary trans men or binary trans women and that's just like not not the case anymore and it's a much wider umbrella term very much in this similar way that that queer is yes and like i feel like i feel like trans is like queer is the really big umbrella and then trans is also a big umbrella but it's a slightly less big umbrella and then it's under the
2: really big umbrella. There's, lots yeah. Of- as you know, more people start to identify. I don't want to say differently, because it makes it seem like it's like out of the norm. But as more people start to indiv- identify individually within the trans community, that umbrella can get really wide, and I'm excited for that. Like, I like to see how things turn Why out. Did that
0: vaguely sound like a threat. <laughs> that umbrella can get
2: very this umbrella is going to get really big <laughs> and you know everybody's just going to be safe from the rain <laughs> how that, dare how great. dare i threaten people to be like safe from the rain
0: Uh really that was just very rude of you and i think you should apologize quite frankly
2: i'm sorry maybe you wanted to step in the rain
0: <laughs> so we have here the if you wanted to talk a little bit about um community and its resilience, despite the, um, uh, you know, the, the violence and the struggles that uh, that trans people face?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of resiliency that I think is found within the trans community, despite the violence that is often on us, whether it's legal violence or just long-lasting trauma. I think it's big to say that we're still here. There are, you know, trans. Transcendent- we are still
0: here and we are, in fact, still queer.
2: We are. At <laughs> least I am. I'm
0: I feel really- like that's said like at least once. Robbie, I think you said that last episode, didn't you? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> this- <laughs> I-, I feel like now we just are going to have to throw that in every episode somewhere. Not that it'll be oh, yeah. but
2: I like it. Hashtag. It's a new hashtag. Well, it's not even a new hashtag, but it's
0: co-opted hashtag. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, there's like that. I think there's something to be said about a community that, about communities that are consistently like tried to be ostracized, that are still here despite what what people may think about us, uh, the misconceptions they may have about us.
0: That makes it sound a, a little bit almost just like trans people and LGBT people in general are like here out of spite. And I'm totally here for it. Like, I don't <laughs> how care mean? how much you try to make my life difficult. I'm still going to be here mostly to anger you. And I feel I just, like that, that is the energy I want to bring into 2021.
2: I feel like that's on brand for the LGBT community. Like, <laughs> Yeah, true. Have you not met a petty like <laughs> LGBTQ person? <laughs> you you want us on the sidelines (laughs) we'll play at the front of the game I don't know what game this is but we're at the front of it now but yeah yeah we there's there's that resiliency can show up in so many different ways it looks like being on the cabinet it looks like being in our local government it looks like being a community leader it looks like being on this podcast through art, there's uh, so much expression of resiliency through speakouts. There have been so much examples of that through these visuals that happen in communities through hashtags, through social media, through documentaries. Like The list literally goes on and on. I mean, even through YouTube videos, there's so much through YouTube where we just want to share uh, information, whether it's trans people talking about the doctors that they've had success stories with, or Um, have experienced harm through. They want to make sure that other people in the community have access to this information, free access to this information, so that people can uh, transition safely. I think that's really important. So if there's, I think, places that are charging you to try and understand your transness, that's weird. Um, But people are doing it. I, yeah, I think there's there's so many ways to to look at that resiliency, um, but I think the big thing is yes, we're here and we're queer, and I think um, more specifically on my own experience as a Black trans man, what advocating and education, I guess for my community really looks like is that knowing where these resources are. So I n- named YouTube earlier, um, so finding trans affirming resources affirming LGBTQ centers, doctors, specialists, people who are confirmed as, or or vetted as uh, doing right by the community and, and handling the trans community with some fidelity. Whether it's local therapists, social workers, psychiatrists, there are websites to find that for the Black trans community or the trans queer community for trans communities in general, where people can share their own experience of consulting with local and statewide surgeons or questions that you should just be like have in the back of your head to set boundaries, giving advice or, or telling your story and, 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 personal way so if I'm having a conversation I know I've had conversations with Zach in the past about my identities and that looks very different since we were speaking about free to be than it would for me to talk to a random person on the street and talking about my identities
0: yeah I think I think we talked about this like normally I would definitely In fact, starting an LGBTQ podcast is one of the few scenarios where I can imagine outright asking a coworker Mm -hmm. without any preloaded context being like, all right, so what exactly is your gender identity (laughs) sexual orientation though? Like, let's just spill it. Like (laughs) we accidentally (laughs) found one of the few cases where that's completely appropriate and even logical. In 99% of cases, that's not the, the best thing to do in the,
2: Professional workspace. Not at work. It's like uh if you have the LGBTQ acronym in front of you, what would you circle? <laughs> Please circle one or several. <laughs> yeah, so like there's there's so much information out there that is that is for free. There are Facebook groups, uh Twitter trending topics. I don't know how Twitter works. And, and different ways to to find community that may not be close to you. Uh, I live in Albany and there's very limited resources out here um, for communities of color that are, like for trans communities of color. Um, but we have found community even in a socially dis- distance uh, way and I've also been able to find a lot of community throughout the state. So I have allies, that I can speak to in New York City or somebody in North Carolina who I know has a similar experience to me um, because I've just found different um, social networking communities to be a part of. And that helps. And then always a great queer pick-me-up show.
0: It always comes back to us talking about TV, doesn't it?
2: I mean, it's what I do. (laughs)
0: I mean, it's to be fair. It's what we all. I mean, it's a freaking pandemic. Like the amount of episodes per day, like per capita, that I watch has like, if you like, look at a chart. It definitely has skyrocketed during the well,
2: last year and this year. So, you were there when I binged watched Game of Thrones all seasons in like two weeks. I don't need my my. <laughs> I didn't need my my uh watch per day limit to increase the way COVID made it increase
0: oh yeah wait now I'm remembering that was like before the pandemic wasn't it
2: yes
0: yeah because we had that like the show literally had just ended and you're like and you were like I think I'm gonna watch all of it at once I was like oh that sounds like quite the
2: quite the leap I, I think of it as like a, a a challenge for myself I you know self-challenge and it was a very tired one it was a very tired challenge but
0: And I mean, even that show actually had some decent queer, although it it plays the queer person immediately dies. Yes. Which I'm not of spoilers for. I mean, guys, the show is 10 years old. Sorry. Um, And I didn't even name any names there. But yeah, that (laughs) does have the trope that I don't like of, oh, here's a queer person. Okay, you had your queer representation. Oop, they're dead. And I mean, to be fair, Game of Thrones does kill everyone
2: but it was like kind of immediate (laughs) like come on and there's actually so we started off like with a short list of like pick-me-up shows even since we made that list because you know we're early slash late to the party there was a show that recently came out called Lovecraft
1: Country I've been wanting to watch that for so long it
2: is so I've also just recently watched Harry Potter for the first time. I know, I know, I know. But I watched Harry Potter after I watched Lovecraft Country and I was like, oh wow, so this has been a theme. People been loving this for a minute now. So, but I really liked Lovecraft Country. It was a very, very intriguing story. But without giving any spoilers since Robbie hasn't seen it, there is some representation that shows up in that show um that I was really here for and they also dang I don't want to spoil it but there was some representation in there there was
0: so Um, so keep keeping on topic I want to ask you that Amari who is your favorite trans representation character in like all of media like book movies you name it and I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit but I'm curious
2: in all of media, I think in all of media. Well, if you want to narrow, I wanted to let you
0: cast a wide net, but if you want to narrow it down
2: a little bit, just to make it easier, you could just
0: do TV or books or what have you.
2: Let me think.
0: So, because unfortunately, I mean, sometimes you have to cast a wide net with trans rep- and queer representation in general because there isn't as much as there should be. So,
2: yeah, there actually is. There's like low key a lot, but they just don't get. I don't think they get casted for as many, like, larger roles as they should. And I'm, I'm starting to see it change a little bit. But I would say my top three. So top one, I think, is An- Angelica Ross. She plays Candy in Pose. Pose is for folks that's 17 and up, and it's on Netflix. I found out about her character... Well, no, I found out about her as a person, which, fun fact, I believe she's from like Rochester, New York. Oh, that's um, cool. She Wait, so just to be
0: clear, is that the so that's the actress who plays the character,
2: right? I don't yes. know anything about this show, so. All right, got it. Yes. Angelica Ross is the actress who plays Candy in Pose. She also plays a nurse in, I believe, the newest season of American Horror Story. But I found out about her in this uh, show called Her Story, which came out years ago maybe like seven years ago or so and I like the way that the like film picture thing was set up I thought the film was like I thought it was all about her but it wasn't but it was still really great so she's like my top one because I think she was the first trans actress that I was introduced to and I'm like she's dope also from Pose is India Moore and I think they are just an amazing spirit, um, an amazing person. Um, And I had the like pleasure of meeting them once in coincidentally um, at a concert. What you get from them on screen is the same type of serotonin that you experience with them in person. They're just like a really, I don't know, like heartwarming type of person. And I got to think about the third one. I have one I want want to throw out
0: there um, Mm because I know Amar, you don't play video games. In the video game space, a more recent one. Um, So Bloodhound from a game I just got recently. um, It's called Apex Legends. It is a battle royale. And for those who don't play video games, that is the like Fortnite style. You drop a bunch of people into an arena. It's kind of like the Hunger Games. Uh, You run around and try to survive. and try to fight each other. Last man standing wins. That's what that. Bloodhound is a character in that game, which I did not realize at first. Um, But they are non-binary um you can look them up they have this uh, really cool design where they kind of have like a plague mask and their whole thing is um hunting like they have an ab- every character has like a special ability in that game theirs is to be able to like track people down and like they can see people through walls and stuff they're like a hunter and they are voiced by a woman voice actor but both the voice actor and the um, game developers and designers have explicitly stated that they are non-binary and like Even like I feel like trans representation and non-binary representation is behind like almost everywhere, but it's especially behind in video games because I feel like video games is just behind in movies by um, for queer representation in general. So to see that kind of uh, that kind of character definitely does not have like a feminine style voice voiced by a woman who the character itself is non-binary. Like that is uh, that's just really cool, and also their abilities are really good. So I'd love to play them. So, I just wanted to throw that one out there.
2: That's cool. I did hear about that. I think on, I listened to, well, a different podcast that is like also quite queer. And one of them is a gamer. So, uh, he was mentioning that in, I think, one of his episodes. And I recently did get a gaming system because of a quarantine. I don't, oh, wow. I don't know if I'm going to do right by it um video games in a lot of ways it's like queer identity
0: you make of it what you you individually want and you play the games that you make you happy
2: yeah I mean I did uh I did finish a game like a whole game story recently and that was big for me I don't really I don't usually finish them I just usually like play and say okay I'm bored with this Apex did keep coming up and I'm like why do I want that's why I wanted to download it that's that's probably why
0: I mean, it's a little bit Call of Duty-like in terms of its gameplay, so I'm not sure if that... I mean, it might be your kind of thing. You can... Oh, okay, yeah, you're definitely. nodding. I do oh. have that also. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe you you uh, might like it more than I, I give you credit for, then. But, yeah, the... Just a whole... A canonical, non-binary character is not uh, something you get very often in the video game realm, so I was deeply appreciative of that.
2: It's Yeah, and I think I could be wrong, because New Gamer, and by New Gamer, like per diem gamer mm-hmm. um like i think they got some slack because of the character being non-binary if i'm not mistaken well yeah uh, gamers
0: as a demographic can be non-receptive to ideas they are unfamiliar with is the yeah. most charitable possible way i could have worded that so yeah but but it I all respect the voice actress and the game developers have like pushed back against that initial pushback they've gotten. They're like, no, the Bloodhound is non-binary and we've been and they have been since day one and we're not backing off on that. And I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, even more respect. Like, not something you'd see from a triple A developer that often.
2: Right. Yeah, I think that was the big part too, which I don't know what a triple A developer means, but mm.
0: a triple A developer is like you have that basically it's a colloquial term for a really big video game developer that's like your, Mm -hmm. like the really big but they're like the equivalent of summer blockbusters like your call of duties your grand theft autos your assassin's creeds even to a certain extent like your marios like nintendo is probably a triple a developer like those are like the big name top of the ticket like really big money grabbing items whereas like an indie game is like a smaller developer a smaller team like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Apex Legends is like an EA game. Who are they? They're a big multinational corporation. So to have like, I'm not one to usually give corporations any props. Just, (laughs) just throwing that out there, Um, the fact that they a have put established Bloodhound as a non-binary character and have basically been like, "Hmm, okay, to any um, let's say unfounded criticism has been, I've been at least moderately impressed. I'll give, I'll give them that.
2: Yeah, I think that's really dope. I might actually no, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna download it, but I'm, I'm well. The play. game is free to play, so there's an incentive for you. It, okay, then I might actually download it tonight.
0: I mean, okay. it has microtransactions and stuff, which means like small oh. in-game purchases, but they're mostly easy to ignore if you don't care about them.
2: Um, but yeah,
0: thank you so much for it. Was really really good to have have you back, Amari, for sure.
2: It's great to be back, even if it's just for a moment.
0: Indeed. Well, I mean free to be will always be an open door for you and I'm sure
2: this is not the, the last we we've, we've heard from you. Well, I'll think about the next time I want to take over very soon.
0: Uh, Robbie, I know you've already been awfully uh, chatty already. You've, uh, you've kind of taken up a lot of the, the space here. so if there's anything you want you want to throw out there, Nah, i'm good yeah no i'm sorry i um i know i'm I'm
1: kind of an attention junkie i i like talking a lot oh uh, yeah yeah no we noticed that throughout this entire episode <laughs> but yeah, no thank you so much amari um it was great seeing you again and getting to hear your voice and hearing you like share all that you did and it, like i feel like i learned a lot even just like sitting here and listening to you so really thank you
2: oh no problem <laughs> i love to like give information if y'all ever have questions that you have about the trans community um, or any responses come up i'll always you know be here to answer that call you know
0: oh, yeah do you um, have anything you want to i mean work-wise you want to plug or like an email an instagram a social media a myspace a, a telegram a carrier pigeon any any mm-hmm. of those you want to drop
2: um i actually have i have something to be on the lookout for Okay. Uh, At least for the capital district community, there is works to have a um, LGBTQ youth uh, shelter in the works. There is someone who is looking for, you know, people who want to add voices to um, being in the queer community and being having homelessness. Well, and honestly,
0: I don't think we, I've talked to you uh, Robbie about this but this is something we mentioned briefly um like LGBT plus homelessness as like a depressing a topic as that is. It is a definitely a kind of a central problem that kind of faces our community and we'd love to do an episode about that in the future. So maybe once you guys are like all up and running and stuff, that's something we could have you on for, about in the in the future or another guest.
2: I can um Get you the information for the person who is, you know, funding this effort. Um, his name is Legacy. I have to sneeze. I okay. You-
0: I I'm in suspense now.
2: Okay. That was <laughs> um, an
0: emotional roller coaster.
2: It, it was. I was like, I don't know what's happening, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I can get you in contact with uh, Legacy. He's, um, you know, a young person. I believe he's like in his early 20s in the community and he's looking to get the shelter functioning by the end of the year. So it, I'm down to get y'all connected. So maybe he can he can jump on and do an episode about homelessness. So um, for folks who want to get in contact, the organization is Safe Haven LGBTQ Shelter and Community Center. If you want to share your experiences um, with you know, being in a shelter, experiencing shelter life, or things you want to see in a shelter, uh, I would say reach out to safehavenlgbtq2021 at gmail.com. Awesome. And I guess you can also find them at safehavenlgbtqinc.com. So that's my shameless plug for the day.
0: I hardly think an LGBTQ plus homeless shelter is a shameless and or selfish plug but <laughs> like if you if you came on here like trying to like hawk some like uh the makeup brand you were pushing i think that'd be a little bit different but I'd, yeah I'd hardly call that
2: shameless. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sir just hopping off my soap soapbox
0: <laughs> all right do we uh do we want to do attempt the sign off
2: Ooh, a three-way sign off on only that's one audio that's hard
0: right. It's got it's gone uh, about <laughs> as well as you expect
2: so far but
0: we're, we got to try it that's that's the that's the brand now.
1: I'm Zach. I'm Robbie
0: and I'm Amari. And,
1: and we me. are
0: free to be free to be <laughs> it wasn't honestly it was better than I expected
2: it to go and me too <laughs> it horrible.